Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk As Your podcast with your host Sam Foote and Alan Armstrong. If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Office 365 focused IT security professionals. Each episode, we talk about a specific topic in the space. This week, it's episode 14 of season two. We're going to talk around Microsoft's threat vulnerability management and how it can reduce your risk of compromise. Hey, Alan, uh, how are you doing? Hey, Sam, I'm doing okay. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, soon, soon it'll be Ignite. Are you excited for your trip away? Yep, yep, yep. Definitely excited. Just all the prep to go over after COVID and things like that. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but yeah, cool. should be fun. Yeah, it should be amazing. Should be amazing. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah, this week we're going to have a chat around um, Microsoft Threat Vulnerability Management. Um, Alan is going to take on the role of uh, the expert. He's got a lot of experience uh, in this space, so it'll be interesting to to see what we get out of him today. So should we jump straight in, Alan? You ready to go? Yeah, sure. No pressure for me then. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what is Microsoft Threat Vulnerability Management? So Microsoft Threat Vulnerability Management, TVM, um, has, come, has been part of Microsoft Defender for Endpoint, MDE, um, for quite some time now. So it kind of came in as they started to enhance um, Defender for Endpoint, the, you know, the, you know, coming from, you know, legacy Defender kind of, uh, you know, just, just AV kind of stuff and then enhancing it. So it kind of started there. Um, so it, it's an, you know, it's, it's able to, uh, to uh, highlight vulnerabilities within your devices um, and then you can get, you know, in effect, a list of uh, what you know, your risk in effect from your, your from your endpoints and things like that. Um, it was mainly originally um, designed only for Windows because it being third party, first party, sorry, not third party. Um, and now it's moved to other operating systems as Defender for Endpoint has supported other operating systems. Okay, so effectively, we're actually using the MDE agent to to grab this information from the device, and that's how we're getting such you know enriched information around, say, the software uh, inventory that's on there and and associated uh, issues that they may have. Yeah, for the onboarded device into MDE, yes, you you are able to see that yeah the software inventory and then any CVs against that software or operating system, um, and sometimes depending on the platform, it could also be against hardware as well so if you think about um android mainly i guess where you can see the the operating system you know the the different versions or the different security patching for those and their their levels and sometimes there is some risk in i guess some cves in some of the hardware i've seen so okay great and how does it help me to um like identify risk in my environment so we kind of kind of talked about it, you know, it is using the Microsoft Defender for Endpoint MDE's um, agent when it's activated or onboarded into the portal. Um, and in effect, like I said, or like we said, it's scanning those devices. So, you know, it works on um, the, the main um, operating, you know, the operating systems out there now, um, including Linux now, which is a recent ad. But um but yeah, it's just using that onboarding agent, so it's relatively simple to start getting that information without, you know, you, in effect, you automatically get it, providing you got the licensing for it, which we'll talk about later. Okay, so is it just um, is it just onboarded devices that that it covers? Um, is there any 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 other areas? Um, can you just take us through what the sort of coverage is? 
Yeah, sure. So um, I'll talk about the ones that, you know, the onboarded devices that is, you know, Android, iOS, iPad OS, um, Linux, Mac OS and Windows. So relatively easy to to cover those because it's all, you know, they're all supported. Um, the other bits is network devices. So you can run a SNMP authenticated um, communication with them with a, with a scanner that can then go and pull the base information like the, the device's name and the operating system version which then you see in the portal and then it will tell you if there is any newer versions or any CVEs within that operating system for that you know, switch, firewall, etc. And with, with the network devices, um, you can do that for any um, any network device. There's only, um, it just might not get all this, the vulnerability information um, because it's Microsoft are going on the basis that they've done the main ones like Cisco, Palo Alto's, and there's a few others, um, probably HP, I think it is. Um, and I think there's another one, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, but as they see other um, network devices, they will decide to put the the information in there. So it's more get everything in there. It may not work straight away, but at some point Microsoft will improve that functionality. Um, and then the other part to it is that you can get it for enterprise IoT devices. So that is based on, the MDE agents or the, the onboarded devices scanning the network or there being a enterprise IoT scanner. I mean, we could talk about the this part of this, you know, in an episode, couldn't we, Sam? Because we've been looking at it recently. But um, in essence, you can collect the information about your unmanaged devices in effect. Um, and then depending on the information that comes back from them, you can potentially get some um, vulnerability information about them. Okay, so we're not we're not just talking about sort of like I'll call it like the main like high level operating systems, you know, Mac, Windows, Linux, Android, iOS, iPadOS. Um, it's also uh, reaching out to um, your I'll call them like manage well, your your network, you know, your enterprise network kit, you know, from SNMP or anything I suppose that supports an SNMP, you know, yep. or on the network, right? Um, because I that's a like a standardized protocol for you know um, exchange of information right um and then you're also you know potentially delving into completely unmanaged um devices you know uh, i'm i'm assuming like corporate enterprise devices i'm thinking printers smart tvs um um you know um boardroom casting devices you know teams um polycoms those things of the world right you know there are enterprise iot assets which just you know aren't you know may not be centrally managed through some sort of you know um interface if, if that makes sense yeah absolutely so it's helping you discover them in in the first instance but also yes showing that uh understanding your the risk in your environment so whether you can or can't upgrade them because there may not be a patch to fix something that's on them that maybe have been identified but at least you can understand the risk and decide about mitigations if needed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, what well, we talk about this a lot and I, I think I've said this exact, these exact words multiple times on this podcast is, you know, that you have to understand what is in your environment before you can act upon it. Right. Discovery is, is, is a very important part of, you know, um, uh, your process. So, you know, um, these sorts of technologies that can, that, 
you know, that you might be licensed for, you know, we'll talk about licensing later, um, that you might be licensed for, and you can, you can really get enriched sort of, you know, discovered data around your estate, right? You know, where, where maybe you've got a, an Excel spreadsheet of all your smart devices that you've got in your office, right? And that's what you look up to, to check against, you know, whereas this is collecting things once it's configured in an automated fashion, right? So it's, it is very, very powerful from that perspective. Yeah, definitely. Um, so how how does it help me? So I've I've identified I've I've identified my my I call them catalog of software vulnerabilities across lots of different devices. Um, can it then does it do more than that? Does it help me to remediate? Like what's the what's the next stage? You know, um, as I think about like actioning these these devices. So what comes out of what comes out out of it in effect is um, remediation steps or recommendations. So um, probably stepping back a little bit that I've probably missed from the top part or what we just talked about is that in effect, you get a exposure score. So how exposed are you from zero to a hundred? And then there's X percent means you know, this, this much exposure kind of thing. And you can engage how much that, and that's based on the vulnerability, the vulnerability it's found, how many you've got, things like that. Are we sort of seeing like, um, sorry to interrupt you, Alan, but are we, for that severity, we're sort of seeing sort of like a weighted rank between number of vulnerabilities found versus, say, their CVE like score. If if that makes sense, some sort of like is that how we should think about it? Like how bad they are in the frequency of, you know, um, bad vulnerabilities that we found. Yeah, exactly. It's a combination of both. It, it then gives you an effect the what the portal, the MD, the MDE portal, or that it's not in MDE anymore. It's the it's the Microsoft three sixty five Defender portal now sees. Um, as your overall score kind of thing against that. Um, but that also includes, um, that is just, in fact, that is just um, vulnerabilities at that point. Um, so there's another part to it is that if you've got, including unmatched devices, um, they give you configuration recommendations as well. So there may be some operating system changes they recommend you do to secure it better, um, as well as sometimes printers and, and switches and things like that, because it might say, disable the SNMP version one and two, the unsecured, you know, less secure ones and use version three, that sort of stuff. So you can get an idea if there's improvements to your environment without, you know, not actually being vulnerabilities. So that's sort of part of the recommendations you can get. And you can look at it by device. So you can see a device that may be high exposure level and see all the potential changes you need to do or software updates. Um, and or you can see a list of them and it will rank, you know, in effect, rank it about which one will give you the the, the next score increase in effect. So it'll help you prioritize in effect which one will improve your or reduce your um, exposure level. Um, so going alongside that, when you get one of these, you can create a remediation task. Now, in, initially, this is just saying that you want to remediate by X time. And in effect, you can track that progress. So it goes into a different part of a remediation task and you can see that you've got 30 devices out of 50 exposed to this vulnerability. And then you can see it as they get patched that that number go up so you can confirm that it is being patched. The other sort of part to it is that you can create a task um, into um, Endpoint Manager. So that if, if you've got two teams, one, you know, one that's looking after the deployment of the software and the management of the devices and then you've got the security team 
they can say, well, you know, Chrome needs updating. So I'm going to create a remediation task and tick a box to say, I want to create a task in Endpoint Manager. So that will go over to there. And then the desktop team or the server team can then look at that task. It tells them how to, how to create it in effect, what they need to do. Okay. So we're really layering on like a, um, like a management process to actually tracking these remediations and, and their impact over time, right? Not just, you know, and, and it's giving you that if you're unsure about the remediation steps, you're also going to get guidance from Microsoft in terms of, you know, uh, what they would recommend the steps that you take, right? You know, and give you good guidance there. Yeah. So yeah, with software, it's kind of, obviously you need to upgrade to the latest one, but with like the configurations, it will tell you how to do it in group policy or how to do it in endpoint manager so that it's easy to just, you know, in effect, build it and then deploy it and then you're, you're sorted. Okay. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds uh, really powerful to be fair. It sounds like there's a real sort of like full end-to-end life cycle there, you know, that built in, you know, uh, you know, especially in these areas. It's great. Um, so should we talk about licensing and costs because i well i don't know let's let's see how complicated it is <laughs> um so c- can you give us a lowdown of um h- how you license it yeah sure so this isn't as complicated as uh purview information protection i think that was quite crazy <laughs> when we did that one um still a little bit but not too bad so um this is all part of defend for endpoint plan 2 so not the plan 1 that's just standard sort of AV. So I think it's not the EDR perspective of it. Um, so that's included in the plan too. So that's the lowest sort of layer you can go to if you want to buy that individually. Same thing for, for Windows, you know, Defender for Server via Defender for Cloud now. Um, you can get via Windows Enterprise E5. Um, and then you go up to the next tier, which is Microsoft 365 E5 security add-on to M365 E3. And then M365 E5. So that is kind of the standard levels to get this. So it's really about Defender for Endpoints capability. But what Microsoft have done recently, I think it may be in the last six months, maybe even to a year now, can't remember when it came out. Um, they brought in this new add-on and standalone SKU called Microsoft Defender Vulnerability Management Add-on and Vulnerability Management Standalone. So they give you some extra features on top of the the standard TVM side of things. So, and it might mean that also you don't have to have um, EDR, Defender for Endpoint Plan 2 to get this vulnerability scanning, which is quite cool as well, if you've got another EDR solution currently in place. Okay. Okay, so there are a few different ways to, 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 to gain access to this. And... So just going back to the P1, the Defender for Endpoint P1, P2, is this, is this the main benefit that you're getting from P2 uplift over P1? No. Or is there anything else? Because this this must be, if, if I'm making that decision to jump from P1 to P2, for instance, what, this isn't the only part of that, right? There is There is more to it than that. Is that correct? Yeah, so the plan two is the, EDR part as well as the, the threat vulnerability management. So that is automate, automated response to threats, um, uh, machine learning on that, you know, detecting threats on a device, um, 
So it's all that sort of that side of things. Um, you know, next gen file, you know, next gen you know, antivirus and things like that. So it's bringing all that into it as well. You know, being able to isolate a device um, from anywhere just so they can still talk to the Defender for Endpoint, but is locked down. So, you know, if you've got ransomware, it can stop sending, um, can stop spreading. And the things like the live 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 response where you can, in effect, remote the machine from the from the portal um, okay. fr- from a command line and stuff. So okay, there's, that, there's, that yeah, there's a lot yeah. more. Yeah. So if, if you don't need that capability, that is why the, t- the new SKUs from the Defender for Vulnerability Management will, will help when you're guiding a customer through that, right? You know, they don't have to take on full P2. They can go the Defender for Vulnerability Management like option, if that makes sense from a, uh, you know, f- from P1, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, the standalone would be for that one. The add-on is for the P2 and E5 to enhance those even more from from that perspective. Got it, right. Okay, great. Um, so yeah, so do you, do you, do you want to like just chat around um, th- that new defender for vulnerability management add-on? And because uh, isn't it in preview at the moment? It's it's like here, kind of here on, on its way. Yeah, so it is in preview, and and in all fairness, I've not had full exposure to testing it. Um, but yes, yeah, so it's it is in preview. Um, I wouldn't surprise me if it got. GA that um, ignite. It's been out for quite some time now, so it wouldn't surprise me next week. Uh, I guess, um, but yeah. So what does it bring? So it allows you to do um, in effect security baselines, so that if maybe you're going against a industry standard, um, you might be able to baseline your devices against it. So the example they give is they do CIS, so you'll be able to benchmark a device against and its configuration against CIS. Which I think is quite powerful if you're, you know, trying to meet that part alongside, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, CIS in in the cloud and things like that. This is now bring it to your endpoints. Yeah, because because right, F- forgive my naivety because I'm not the expert in this area, but I'll just I'm going to just do a bit of a bit of a comparison between like CIS benchmarking on the cloud, like you know, um, Defender for Cloud, that sort of thing, and policy. That's quite like mature now that's it's got great coverage right so if i'm if if i'm an organization i don't have this this baselining capability and i do align myself to say cis because from what i've what i understand from configuring you know say windows endpoints there are so many different configuration options right is 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 this basically uh, uh, like helping me to understand how I can configure these machines to actually be compliant against like, you know, this overarching framework that my organization follows. Is that, is that effectively what we're saying here? Like how we should can, how we should configure it or is it more from a, 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 is it more from software inventory and threat vulnerability like standpoint, if that makes sense? No. So I, so I need to dive into it a bit more, but I believe it's based on the configuration of the device. So Fine. Okay. you're right, right. You can do that. And potentially out there is, there is group policy that will say, you know, this is the, this is what you need to configure for CIS sort of thing. And then you can deploy it and or tweak it based on you know, your requirements. Cause as we've always said, there's, you, you may not be able to hit everything in a CIS, but as long as you can, uh, document or, uh, 
dictate 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 why you know why you've made that decision to not enable it then yeah. it you know when you go to those audits you can say well you know we wanted to do this but you know our software really doesn't support turning off java that sort of yeah. stuff and this is the mitigations blah blah, blah. Yeah. um well yeah so we this... all, yeah yeah well we also know that you know full compliance with a regulatory like framework like cis is generally a journey for a customer yes it's not necessarily like a hey we're going to like remediate everything, you know, like overnight, if that makes sense. So I'm guessing this is going to give us a, a way to benchmark what our current configuration looks like and then give us um, give us the ability to create a remediation plan that works like with our organization, right, to get us to that point. Let's benchmark where we are and let's um, then use that as like a, a North Star to get us to where we want to be, right, and, and how we're going to go through that process. Yeah, well, you know, like I said, you can potentially, you know, actually do the deployment from other other methods. But what this is doing is actually giving you validation that you've configured it as well. Is that right? Yes, also, exactly. Whilst whilst you know, in Intune, maybe it just says yes, it was deployed, but this is confirming that again to say actually it is confirmed. You know, it is deployed, sort of thing. So it, yeah, it feels it, like it's defender for cloud for endpoints, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, God, yeah. Don't I, make I that, that. Don't yeah. make that a product. Defender for cloud for endpoints. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, well, we could. <laughs> that's another. That's another product name and another set of acronyms that we could. Yeah, quite easily forget. Okay, but I, I kind of, I, I kind of get. That's why I compared it to like defender for cloud because it's effectively doing a, a similar sort of thing, right? Baselining your environment against. Um, and in in this in this scenario, it's not like um, cloud resources, but it is actually endpoints, right? Where I assume there's less maturity of because you know there's I don't know I, I just I just assume that the vast majority of endpoints are not configured or aligned to a, a framework or standard, or if that's all done manually at the moment. I would assume. Yeah, like I said, that sometimes you do get some um, like Microsoft security baselines. Um, you can get them in endpoint manager. You can get them as group policy. I used to use them. What well, I say, I used to use them in my previous life. I used them to build for the organization I was, and then we would make changes because it would break stuff and then uh, document it and things like that. That's why I kind of went down that that yep. sort of discussion. So, yeah. So other bits you get is that say you have a vulnerable oh, a, a vulnerable application. Um, on a managed device, you can block that application for running. So if there is something really bad that you don't want to do until it's patched, then you can you can block it, which I think is is very powerful because that is in effect reducing your risk completely. That, that application now can't run. It may be like a, I guess it could be an old version of Visual Studio Git, you know, something that maybe someone uses once in a while, and it's. It's there, and they can't use it until they patch it. I think that's that's quite powerful there. Okay, yeah. So, so you're also you're also um, sort of being you sort of um, enabling sort of a level of like access control around specific applications. You know, dependent on maybe their like level of vulnerability, if if that makes sense, right? You know, like let's say we like you you use the example. Well, we use your example of like you know. Um, like um, there's a zero day vulnerability that is um, released for, let's say, some version of Git. You identify it in your, you know, in your estate, 
and then you can instantly block those apps straight away whilst you get round to remediating right you know and, and and doing that so once because you've got the discovery and you've got the control then you can kick in and actually you know uh, use those you know as a defensive measure right in those scenarios yeah absolutely and i think that's i think that's a great sort of feature there because it you know in some form you wouldn't want to say do all vulnerabilities because you know, the device may stop working you know or you may break business but if there is a high risk one or a high profile one that's happening then absolutely you can go in and nuke it and no, no one can use it until it's patched until it's well, off the next version do you know what um like platform and operating system is supported for that is it just windows do you think I so I don't I don't know. It will definitely be Windows, as you can as you can believe you know think that it's going to be first party. But I wouldn't thinking about the technology itself. You know MDE on those other things. I think they would be able to block it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, not, well, I definitely know from new. a Mac perspective. Yeah, that that would definitely be able to. I, I assume that would be able to do it. Like you say, if it can't out of the box at the moment, then it's probably only going to be a matter of time because we've seen that with a lot of things around MDE and Intune is just like, they're just expanding into multiple platforms now, aren't they? It's like they're done with Windows and they're not done with Windows, but they're like completed Windows, done that, got the badge, let's move on and, you know, let's get all of our software, well, our software and our platforms on every single, you know, uh, operating system and platform that we possibly can, right? That's reasonable to do. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I would assume the assumption is that it would work on all platforms that they're currently covering, but you're right. It it may be that they've not tested because it it's previewed. Maybe it's just windows for now. And they're just confirming the other operating systems because they don't want to break, don't want to break anything. So yeah. Cool. And then really the only other thing now is that you can, you can do additional assessments on certificates and plugins on the, on at least windows i don't know about the other operating systems but definitely windows so within edge and chrome i don't know about the other browsers i'd have to double check that but in effect you can see what um users are you know have got installed if you haven't got a policy to stop them and then you can see you know assess how good or bad they are same with certificates you know is there a rogue certificate there who knows or it's been compromised that you know about so you can see where your risk is yeah, that's that's really powerful because browser well browser plugins I think have more focus nowadays anyway, right? Because we that they're so easy to install and they're so accessible, right? Yeah. Um but like yeah, like you say like certificate tracking like is are the right number of certificates on that machine, you know, are they all, you know, validated, are they all like secure if that makes sense? So it's it's interesting where they're like extending their reach, if that makes sense, onto the device. They're, you know, they're, they're tracking and assessing, you know, different types of objects that, you know, um, IT professionals like might be tracking. Maybe they're tracking it manually. Maybe they're, I don't, I don't know how they would be doing that at the moment, right? Maybe they've got some specific other tooling to do that. Um, but that seems, that seems like quite a, um, a good thing to actually have visibility of right and reassurance that you've actually got a tool there in place to 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 understand those those different um like i'll call them data stores you know like applications mm. and, and and things right yeah well you know yeah the the plugins can be you know how do you remediate against a plugin how do you know that people have got it installed who's got it installed there's no infantry 
there are you know there are tools to do it you're right but you know out of the i say out of the box you got to, you know you got to buy this this add-on to get it but generally you know baked in there is you know because you don't have to install anything once you've got that license it starts doing it it's you know it's as simple yeah, as that I, I kind of think as well is the um like the sort of the shadow it element of it as well mm. because like if you if you think um let's say you don't have a policy in place to block people installing like particularly anything that they want right um and it, that might not be the case for all of your like your users in your estate right you might have some that have got more privileged access and things like that but like i'm just thinking like my developer brain going it's like i've got firefox installed that i sometimes use for development and i've got a plugin installed in that which i, I might not even open the browser once every six months or something like that. So mm. the browser itself might be out of date. And then there's also this micro ecosystem of like plugins <laughs> and extensions inside of that. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that I use, I use Firefox as just a random example. I'm not saying that <laughs> like their ecosystem is terrible, but you know, it, it, it's, it might not even be from a malicious, like it's, it's probably very rarely from a malicious standpoint or anything like that. It's usually like a function of time, you know, I've had, you know, this build of Firefox installed for six months. I've never opened, I haven't opened it in six months. And for some reason, I've got um, X, Y, and Z extensions that I needed, you know, uh, six months ago that I haven't even looked at again. They've now got, you know, vulnerabilities in them. And, you know, those, those systems might not even be checked by, you know, IT at the moment, right? So when you've got these automated agents just like looking at everything, you know, your, your spies on these machines like 24 seven, then from a lazy automation perspective, that sounds great to me. I don't have to go in like check anything or, or track anything. I just, I utilize this. I pay my, I pay my fee and I've got, I've got peace of mind that these things are being checked, you know, 24 seven, right. You know, inside of my estate. And, and actually you mentioned something that we didn't really talk about for the, the standard stuff is that, that shadow IT with software in that Defender for Endpoint is, you know, tracking some of that, you know, and that you're right. If you had, if you've got those users that, or even on servers where you've in, someone's installed Chrome, you know, Chrome because they wanted to go and download something because Edge and, and IE at the time was disabled, you know, how do you know it's, it's on there? And there's a server with production software sat next to a, you know, vulnerable browser that someone goes you know clicks on it and puts a link in. i mean you know they're 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 reduced risk servers because you know they're not doing the day-to-day -day stuff but there's still potential there so yeah yeah i think you just you're just constantly i i assume and i've not been in like the corporate or corporate it side but i assume that um that software inventory is kind of like a recurring battle that you have to go through like continuously right you know because everything is being updated like zooms being updated three times a week or you know or whatever the build frequencies are right you know and you're you're constantly trying to keep up with you know cves and you know dependent on how like diverse your software inventory is you effectively open yourself up to much more management and oversight if if that makes sense right you know so yeah i guessing it can be very complicated especially when you've got a lot of users and, and managing that right yeah, and I think that's another feature of this that I didn't write down in our notes, but um, that it also does prioritized fully, you know, in effect prioritized um, remediation tasks, 
with this. It adds it adds more to it than the, what I was saying about TVM. Is I think it actually goes right. You really need to sort this out first in this order because you're right. You're always you're always having that battle, and you need to prioritize. And there's always something more, you know, more important uh, to do. So, so yeah, I think so I think we've spoken about this before because like TVM is quite a. I don't know. It's 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 not one of those real time response elements, is it? Right, you know, because it's not like a an emerging like live threat, if that makes sense, right? You because I can I can assume that like um you you if you weren't to keep up with TVM, then theoretically, you know, inside your organization, you're you're just continuously you know, increasing your attack surface of known, yes. like zero uh, known vulnerabilities. Right. So if you don't keep on top of it, when you do, w- when you, when you get breached, it makes, you know, um, you know, lateral movement inside of your organization a, a lot more simplistic potentially. Right. Cause there's known exploits to, to move and, to, and to, to work around. Right. Um, but because it isn't real time and it's kind of like one of those, oh yeah, we'll get to it. Right. You know, um, having a prioritized list of tasks kind of makes it, you know, um, as easy as possible for people to actually like action and, and do right. Because it's like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do all my highs, right. I'll get my highs done. Like I'll, I'll jump on my highs within three days or, or whatever it is, you know, like some big new log four J I'm going to jump on that. Like, you know, yesterday. Um, and then you can start to prioritize that because we know that these teams have, limited resources they don't have you know unlimited time to sit there and you know and do everything that they're they're being asked to right so um that's that seems really powerful to me yeah and i keep thinking of things that we need to talk about (laughs) but um there's another piece to this that um say there's been a a global attack you know these these compromises we hear about you know i mean we're talking about WannaCry that was like god three four years ago now and it seems seems so long ago and Cozy Bear, things like that. Um, Microsoft do a, in effect, a report of what happened there. So when one of these attacks become public and they can share their research in effect, um, you get this report and it says, this is how they attacked. This is all, you know, this is what happened basically. And then it goes, here's your environment. And these are the devices that are mitigated or exposed or are currently being attacked with this with this exploit. So you can see straight away, one, if you're being, you know, you're being compromised that way, which obviously Defender for Endpoint is going to be lighting up like Christmas tree anyway, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> um, Some, and... Hopefully somebody's looking at <laughs> yeah. get those alerts. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then you can also see how many devices are exposed to that comprom or that, that the way that method of compromise or yeah. that exploit. So you can then see why, well, okay, now I know I need to fix these 10 devices because they've not been patched in Edge or Chrome or yeah, the operating system. So you, there's that part to it as well, that it's not just the day-to-day stuff. It's right right now, this is a situation, this is an attack that's happened. This is how exposed you are to that attack. And you you can see that pretty much as that is announced sort of thing. So when everyone's yeah. rushing around trying to work out if they're being compromised, you know, checking the firewalls and all that sort of stuff, they go, okay, what's our devices saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I assume if you've got that level of context, right, to those those you know scenarios, you can then effectively prioritize based on you know the attack chain, right? Like you know where you know 
you know maybe like an onion you go for your outer skin and then you go inwards if 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 that makes sense you know to to prioritize your remediation right so um so yeah so you are getting like um the experience of like you know microsoft's you know security teams you know and also you know it, it's it's not just the I suppose what I feel you're saying is is that you're not just getting the actual technology; you're also getting the, the the constant proactive, you know, threat hunting that Microsoft is providing to you, and sort of essentially giving you all the answers on a plate. Right? Like, here's what's happening now. This is what we think you should focus on right now, um, and then do that. You know, and, and giving you those recommendations. Do that now, and then secure yourself in the best way possible. So when you're CISO. Like a head of IT or whoever does that in your organization taps on your shoulder and goes, you know, that log 4J, you know, how bad are we, you know? And you're like, oh, we did that this morning when we like, do, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like I had that remediated, like, you know, let's move on. It's just, you know, it, it's, it's part of it because you know your infantry, right? Because that was the big thing about like log 4J is loads of people didn't know their infantry. So like, you know, how do they know what, you know, what log 4J is part of? You know, it's like, have we got any Java? Because anything that's Java could have log four. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like you know, it was kind of that 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 really exposed, like from from my experience, that that really exposed you know people's immaturity in terms of like software infantry, right? I mean, that was more like kind of developer focused anyway. It wasn't <laughs> like a it was a library as part of like so. Well, that's even that takes it even further than this. I mean, there are developer tools for like what I would call TVM, like sync and, and things like that, which which allows you to, and, and Microsoft has got some tooling around that in terms of containers and, and different bits and bobs, right? Um, so that that is a slightly different thing, but I think that really highlighted the same problem, right? Maybe this is a bit higher level. Maybe this is a bit easier to see. Um, but yeah, it is, it is still scary when those things happen, right? Especially when you've got to answer to, you know... Um, non-technical stakeholders let's say um yeah <laughs> what's going on <laughs> yeah cool all right so um and yeah any anything else alan that you want to want to cover or anything you you think we've missed so so i don't well i've probably missed something because it's like again it's like another <laughs> beast you know i keep talking <laughs> yeah. about all these big products and you can imagine me trying to keep up with these things when they change so i've probably missed something so apologies apologies for that but one thing I do want to mention is that there are APIs for Defender for Endpoint or Microsoft 365 Defender, and you can pull this data out. Like, you know, watch device are exposed, you know, what's your thing? So it's not just, I have to go into the portal, I have to use it, I have to do that. I can maybe build some logic apps to query that data and maybe give me some other information or maybe do some other things with it. Maybe if I was, I mean, we're talking, you know, maybe we could build something to go and notify the teams they need need to go and do something rather than just be, you can get notification within Defender for Endpoint to, for vulnerabilities, you can get an email notification. You could potentially create um, custom detectors and things like that. But at the same time, you can also build some logic or I say logic, because I'm talking about logic apps, but you could build some automation um, to read that information and maybe do something with it. Yeah, I, I would I would completely agree with that. You know, like, um, well, MDE as a product, in terms of how extensible it is via its APIs, I would say is really mature, right? You know, we, we, we talk about this a lot in terms of, we call them gap fillers, right? You know, where Microsoft 
you know maybe haven't you know given us the um what we what we particularly need you know maybe a customer's asked us some specific information we have to pull that into a logic app or surface it in some sort of way in power bi whatever like scenario that is um but but i do think it's really great of them to make it so open as it is right because mm. like you say it is i would say trivial to to and and relatively well i'd say well documented i'm not even going to say relatively um well it's well documented on how you can get this information out right and um yeah you know you can make the argument that it should have been in there in the first place but a second best is just access to all the data anyway right you know so that's and and we we've seen how powerful that is even from the tvm side right you know there's 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 really a huge amount of you know rich data there that you can pull mash into whatever format you want to and you know um you know and and export it however however you see fit yeah well it's it's bringing it into your ticketing system isn't it as a task or a change and things like that you can automate that to put it in as an instant and then you can go through that standard you know business process at least you know even something as simple as that say there's these 10 devices that need updating and because you're not using endpoint manager you know you might be using config manager you might be using something else to do that you know yeah, exactly. It's yeah. opening up to to you know, yeah, build anything. and those and those those automations are usually generally quite simple as well, right? It's just yeah. like repackaging of the data or sending it to a different system. So yeah, uh, completely right. Okay, so shall I just go through a little bit of reflection, and I'll just um, I'll I'll sort of mirror back to you what I think you've explained to me. Um, let's fingers crossed. <laughs> um, so the you know we we get. Gr- great um information and discovery around our exposure levels we're looking at our software inventory across loads of different types of devices including uh man- well, i'll say corporate network devices and completely unmanaged enterprise iot devices as well um and and understanding as much as we can the software that's in our in our estate and our exposure to vulnerabilities um uh, f- from that it's not also going to just give me discovery. It's also going to show me how to remediate those devices, which is, well, the second half of the battle, isn't it? <laughs> right. You know, um, it's, it's, it's all well good knowing what the problem is, but how can we, you know, um, and, and, and maybe sometimes, you know, we can't know everything. We don't profess to know everything. You know, sometimes we, it's great to have somebody else um, give us some guidance in terms of like how they would approach a situation as well. So that's, um, very welcome. It seems like with the new, well, with the new uh, Defender for Vulnerability Management add-ons, uh, there's a lot of flexibility in terms of licensing. You know, you can either bump up to a P2. Obviously, you can go for your E5s because, yep, yeah, that's all singing, all dancing. Um, but I, I think that what it feels like to me is Microsoft have also seen that people have their own EDR or different EDR solutions, right? So there's flexibility in terms of how you license it, right? Um, which is which is really, really great. Um, and the, the uh, I think the last big thing as well is this new, I'll call it, shall I call it missing piece of threat vulnerability, which is the new like defender, um, defender offering. Um, which allows you to um, do more in-depth analysis, do assessments and baselining against your um, in get, against your um, environment and the blocking of vulnerable apps as well. You know, from a per, on a per app perspective, you know, 
um, that seems, you know, really powerful from my perspective. Anything I've missed there, Alan, or any other really key like points that you want to want to get across? No, I think that's probably it. I was thinking about saying as you were talking, but I've, I've lost it. So, okay, well, it's Sorry. gone forever. It can't be. Yeah, it can't be that important. So, um... okay, great. Um, what's our next um, episode, Alan? Well, I don't know, Sam. What is our next episode? <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to be talking around um, Azure Sphere. So, if you are a uh, um, uh, a lover of IoT devices, um, Azure Sphere uh, approaches IoT devices in a, uh, I would say, a different way to to traditional um, IoT devices. So, um, yeah, we're gonna. Um, I, I've I've effectively um, got myself an Azure Sphere development kit. I've been playing around with it. Definitely not an expert in it whatsoever, <laughs> but I'm gonna try and give you a like a high level overview about um, what you can do with the platform and the sort of benefits that it can bring to your organization. Um, if you've enjoyed this episode, please do uh, consider subscribing if you'd like to listen to more of this sort of content in the future. Um, we have many, many more topics that we'd like to cover, and your listens and your support is what will continue to fuel the podcast going forward. Season 14, Sam, or episode 14, I should say. So, ha- yeah, so good to get here. Um, yeah, exactly. So, you know, we give, we've got the ability to, uh, for you to give us some feedback. Um, did you enjoy this episode? Do you disagree with my my thoughts, or did I miss something, or get something completely wrong? You know, it's entirely possible. Um, I disagree. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, in the show notes there is a link that you can use that will take you to a page where you can provide us some feedback, um, good or bad, and um, we can we can use that to help you know with the show. Excellent. Thanks very much for your insights, Alan, and um, we'll catch you all on the next one. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Speak to you soon. Bye.